The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where we talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy. 40 Strategy is built to make strategy work for small to medium-sized businesses and organizations by designing world-class strategic plans, but more importantly, help keeping them accountable to actually get it done. Go to 40strategy.com to learn more. We have recently launched our book, Lost at CEO. It's become a bestseller, and we just encourage you to go out. It's available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, as well as Audible. So feel free to go out and buy that book. We appreciate your support. So from that, we are really excited to talk about our guest here today, Jim Britt. Jim is an award-winning author of 15 number one international best-selling books. Some of his titles include Rings of Truth, Unleashing Your Authentic Power, The Power of Letting Go, Do This, Get Rich for Entrepreneurs, and most recently, he's been working on the Cracking the Rich Code series. He is an internationally recognized business and life strategist, and he's also sought after as a keynote speaker. He's been, he's been, he's one of the world's top 50 speakers, top 20 life and success coaches. And over the past 44 years, he's spoken to over 5,000 different audiences, reaching 2 million people, which is pretty incredible. He also is connected with some of the best in the absolute business. Um, he was business partners with G the late Jim Rome. And for eight years, uh, he took Tony Romans worked under his actual direction. With that, uh, Jim, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the Measure Success podcast today. Oh, thanks, Carl. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Well, when we were getting ready, well, first of all, let's pull back and, and get a little bit more depth behind. Tell us what you're doing today. What, what's kind of your key focus and how you how you're trying to have an impact and legacy on the world right now? Well, my you know my focus is uh, every day when I get get up, I'm always thinking about what can I do today that will impact somebody's life, that will help them live a better life or have a better business to help them live a better life. Um, I mean, I'm always working on several projects. Speaking is my uh, is my primary business, uh, doing some success in life coaching, uh, but on a limited basis, I only take on about four or five clients uh, doing that. Um, and uh, working on this book series, Cracking the Rich Code, and a new edition coming out for millionaires only, and it's a collaborative book with uh, 20 co-authors in each book. So we're on a 12th volume of that and our first volume of the limited edition. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting. And we have a mastermind session that goes along with that. It's just a pretty amazing uh, group of people. So I'm curious of, of those things. And maybe this is an unfair thing to ask you. What, what gets you mo the most fired up to do each day? The sun coming up. 
<laughs> I get to see another sunrise. Exactly. I have never I never sleep past sunup. I'm I'm always inspired. I've done that since I was a child. I used to bug my brother because he could sleep till one in the afternoon, and I was up at daylight, and uh, or before. I mean, now that it's getting darker sooner, I'm up and I'm up at dark. I mean, it's still dark when I'm up. So. Um, but I'm just inspired to get up to see what I can carve out of the, the day. You know, I look at my time as kind of like a shopping spree and you can spend it however you want to spend it and you can spend it relaxing or doing business, or you can waste it on, on time on, on things that, that, that do nothing for you. So that's what I always look at is how to carve out the day to make it the best. So we, when we were talking ahead of time today, and you guys, you and I have had several conversations over the past several months, and um, I, I was really curious about when you met, you said, with multiple mega, mega, mega millionaires, as well as a billionaire, and when writing one of your books, you came up, you identified that every single one of them had these six common traits. So what are these six common traits that you ran into with every single one of them? You know, the interesting thing is, as I mentioned to you, uh, they're, they're simple. And when you, you look at them, you think, well, anybody could do that. And it's true, anybody could. And I'd say if you apply the six traits to anything you want to accomplish in your life, I don't care if it's you know, losing weight or making money or building a business or having a better relationship. Um, those traits st still work. And to me, if you apply all six, you cannot not succeed at it. If you don't apply all six, you know, you, you have a smaller chance of, of succeeding by eliminating one of one or two or three of those. So the, the first one I thought was pretty simple. And, and that's a desire to have a better life, a desire to change, desire to grow, desire. And I think that's that's built in our human DNA is achievement and we want we want to do more and so i think everybody has a desire to have more and do more and help more but the reality is is not not too many people do you know if you look at just money as an example 95% of the population doesn't have enough uh maybe i don't know if that's exact figure but it's a lot uh, in fact i just heard this morning uh, on a news report that said that Amer the average American has uh, or has a higher has a five thousand dollar a year higher overhead than their income. Wow! So they're losing five thousand a year every year, and and that's that's shocking. You know, I, I don't I don't know about you, but I, I, I find it unbelievable and, and, and alarming, uh, you know, so and, and it's and it's not because there's there's plenty of money out there. It's just that you've got to have a relationship with it um, and the same thing with anything else. But the way you have a relationship is the next trait. And that is uh, it's not goal setting. You know, if you look at goal setting, to me, a goal, you set a goal, well, a goal is way out there someplace. It's like having a goal to get across the finish line. You know, there's the goal. But what drives that goal is the decision that you made in the moment. 
because all action takes place in the moment. So you, you make a decision and that changes your outlook, changes your view of the world. It changes your view of opportunity to accomplish what it is you're setting out to accomplish. And it also changes the view that those in the world have of you and, and those that want to support you. So if you're wishy-washy, and let's say you're going to raise capital to start a business, and you, you say, yeah, I think it'll work, and I'm hoping it will. Well, how many people are going to put money into that? Not very many, because I know when you're raising capital, the number one thing they buy is you before they buy anything else. So, uh, And they buy you based upon the decision you've made and how determined you are to make that happen. Um, and, 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 and so decision-making... I think most people make decisions. If it was like a complete circle, um, the problem is that that complete circle is a firm decision that nothing less than that will do. But most people leave a little opening in that circle. And that's their escape route. That's their excuse. That's why it didn't work. They Just in case it doesn't work, I've got to have a little a little way out so I, so I don't look bad. But... It's so important because decision creates that mindset, and that is so important. And people say, well, how do you know how you, what your mindset is? And I said, look at any area of your life and see where you are in that area, and you'll know what your mindset is. It's that simple. So uh, that's number two, uh, and so critical because, you know, people ask me if I set goals. I'm saying, no, I, I don't, I never write down a goal. I never set a goal. I never write one down. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do. I'm just saying I never do it. I don't have a vision board. I don't I don't go through any of that stuff. For me, that's a waste of time. What I do is make decisions and get on with it. Somebody says, well, you're writing another book, which I am. And when are you going to have it finished? I've said, I don't know when it's done. But but yet I'm on it. You know, it might be done in a month. It might be two months, but I'm on it. So uh and if it's a primary thing that I'm working on, I'm on it until it gets done, you know, as quick as I can push it through. So that's what decisions do for you. Um, and the next thing is to take action. And when you decide to do something, there's always some action you can take, even in preparation of doing it. Um, and I think so many people are, they're getting ready to get going. You know, as soon as this happens, or as soon as I have this done, or as soon as I get my business cards, or as soon as I get my, you know, page set up or whatever, people are using that as a, I think it's, I think it's probably for a lot, it's, it may be the fear of actually executing. They want to get, they want to get all the details in place before they execute, but there's always something that you can execute. And, and I think that's the mark of a good entrepreneur is what can I do today that's going to move me closer while I'm preparing what's going to really take this thing and move it. Uh, so I think that's critical. But when you take action, what happens is, is the, next, the next trait. And you're always met with obstacles. You're always met with obstacles. And, and the reason is because we're stepping out of our comfort zone because we're going from where we are to where we want to be, whether it's business-wise, financially, or whatever. And to me, every um, 
every life level and every income level requires a different you. Uh, you, you can't do it with the you that got you where you are. You've always got to come up with something new and different. And that's uncomfortable. You know, my first business that I got into um, was a direct sales company. And I didn't know anything about selling anything. I didn't, I didn't know anything about business. I was a factory worker, high school dropout, worked on an assembly line. And the only thing I, uh, else I'd ever done was pump gas and pick cotton. And, and so uh, the, my first day, the guy that, uh, that got me into this direct sales company, he said, your job is talking to people. And he said, if you talk a little, you learn a little. If you talk a lot, you learn a lot. And I said, how much is a lot? And he said, 10 a day. And I said, okay, I'll do 10. And, and I had made a decision that I was go not going to leave that company until I got rich. And I didn't know what rich was. I think, think I was thinking 10,000 a month, but that was, you know, back 1970 something. So 10,000 a month was a lot of money. And I saw other people earning that amount of money. So I, I kind of set my sights on that. But the most I'd ever earned in my whole life was about 400 bucks in a month. <laughs> so, wow. so that's a big change. So that's a big step. I don't even know if my mind would go there, you know. Um, but uh, so I go out to talk to 10 people every day. I quit my job at the factory, started talking to 10 people every day. I had no money. Uh, I had to borrow $4,000 the 23rd loan company loaned it to me. That's how persistent I was. The last one that was on the list actually loaned me the money. And, and nobody I knew had money. So for the next 12 months, I talked to 10 people every day. That's at least 10, sometimes more, but at least 3,650 people, all but one told me no. I made one sale. <laughs> And I look back on that and I go, why did I even do that? Why did I stick with it that long? And I think it was partially desperation and maybe inspiration. You know, I knew I'd never get ahead where I was. And this was the only opportunity I'd ever seen or even thought that I could do. And what happened, I'm standing in my kitchen. I'm looking out the window and I'm going, what am I going to do? Both of my cars had been repoed. My home was foreclosed. I had a notice on the door from the sheriff said, you got to be out in five days. And I reached and all my furniture had been taken as well. I, I had a wife and a child and I reached in my pocket. And all I had was 15 cents and I had no food in the house. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And I didn't know what to do. And I thought about going back to the factory. And then I thought, I don't even have a car to drive. I couldn't even go to work. And so I was selling some cleaning products. And so the one customer that bought from me was uh, the biggest builder in Oklahoma City. And I worked for him during the summer uh, a few times, um, cleaning up around construction sites. And I have quite a bit of knowledge of construction we built a home while I was in my ninth grade in shop class. So I had all the traits and all this stuff. So he thought I was pretty smart. Anyway, I carried five gallons of carpet shampoo for three miles in the Oklahoma heat, hoping he would buy it. And, and he did. And not only did he buy it, but he offered me another opportunity to work with him. 
And it paid, I won't go into detail, we don't have the time, but it paid me $300 a week, which was more than I'd ever earned, a car to drive, which I didn't have, a three-bedroom furnished apartment, and an opportunity that over the next 12 months earned me almost a half a million dollars. And when I got back home that day, somebody knocked on my door within a couple of hours, and it was somebody from the direct sales company, spent time with me, about two hours with me, and taught me what I was doing wrong and what I needed to be doing. And my direct sales business took off like a rocket. Next month, it earned me 2,600. Next month was 6,000. It just kept going up. And over the next 12 months, it earned me right out of half a million dollars. And so I went from 15 cents to millionaire because I wouldn't give up. And wow. that's so important. And yeah, and people say, how did you, how did you get 3,650 people knows. How'd you get all those knows? That's obstacles. That's mental obstacles. And I, I think I got to the point where I just expected everybody to give me a no. I don't know. <laughs> you know? But, but not after that. After I learned what to do and what I was doing wrong, I, uh, you know, I moved ahead pretty quickly. So it uh, taught me a valuable lesson, though, about, about decision-making and sticking with it and overcoming these obstacles and the fact that you've got to you've got to step out of your comfort zone was it uncomfortable for me to go meet strangers absolutely is it today no not at all uh, because I learned that <laughs> way way back do I handle rejection well I don't I don't experience rejection anymore I don't look at it that way because I've already experienced that so so that's that's critical um and that's what was that? That's the fourth fourth trip. Yeah, yeah. So on to number five now. <laughs> number five is I, I was asked uh, many years ago um, on a panel. They said, "What's the number one thing that you've learned in all your years that's been more beneficial for you and your business and your life, aside from everything else?" And I, I quickly responded. I said, learning to let go. And I have a program called The Power of Letting Go. And I think so many of us give our power away. We give it away to rejection, for example. If you're in sales, you go out and you get a no, and you're all depressed about getting that no. You thought it was going to be a yes, and you carry that no into the next appointment. You know, So there's so much power in letting go because... Or being having anxiety about the future, or living in the past. And the reality is, I know it's simple to say, but there is no past, just a memory of it. And if you're bringing it into the present, you're reliving it probably even stronger than you did in the past. Get over it and move on. You know, you lost money, you, you got break up in a marriage, you you know something happened, whatever. You know, get over it and move on. Your parents didn't treat you right, or you know you're an orphan or whatever live for today because that's all you have moment to moment and tomorrow yeah plan for the future but don't live there don't live there and don't be anxious about it you know if you're anxious about it reevaluate where you are and where you're going and and take action today moment to moment um so being able to 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 see something and and see what's holding you back and what What's burning your energy and your your creativity and your time? 
I mean, all of those things are limited assets that we have. And maybe creativity and uh, is, is unlimited while you're here, but time is limited and it passes you by pretty ruthlessly. So it doesn't wait for you. You know, when you're 20, I'm, I'm thinking, oh boy, I hope, hope I live to be 60. And, you know, once I pass 60, I'm thinking, well, I hope I live to be 100. <laughs> so, so the question is, you know, how people say it's hard to let go. And I said, no, it's not. If I'm, if I'm holding this mouse in my hand, for example, it doesn't mean I have to hold it in my hand for the rest of my life. I can lay it down. And if you had something happen in the past that upset you, I mean, I knew a guy that lost all of his money to a, a scam uh, building some uh, condos in, in the Caribbean. Lost about $6 million when he was 40. And when he died at about 75, Every time I talked to him from 40 to 75, he never uh, did not bring that up. He brought it up every single time. This is why I can't move ahead. I had all this money and now I don't. And, it, and he died with that, that same emotion, you know, following through with his life. The power to let go. I mean, I did a television infomercial. It cost me a million dollars. And um, the first day, you know whether it worked or not. And it didn't. You know, so I could go back and go, oh, my God, I lost a million dollars. I'm going, okay, let's just move forward. Cut it, move on. You can't change that. So uh, there's power in letting go. There really is. And, you know, every once you've decided what you want, every action you take is going to move you toward that or away from it. It's that simple. Success at anything is that simple. Because th there is no gray area. It's either black or white. It's going to move you toward what you want or away from it. Now, if you haven't decided, it doesn't matter what, what action you take. But once you decide, you know, that's why I got up every morning and, and left the house. And my wife and I came up with a, 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 a tracking system for me. I carried 10 beans in my pocket. And every time I talked to a person, I flipped the bean away. That's how I tracked my 10 a day for a year. And... You know, occasionally I probably cheated a little bit, but not, not very often. Might have been a little depressed or something, and I'd just say, hey, how you doing? Flip a bean away. But 99% but of the time, I was engaged in a conversation with them. So, and it was hard, you know. <clears throat> but you got to let go of that fear. You know, it's, it, you got to decide what you want and then and realize that every action is going to move you there or away from it. It's like, you know, you go on a diet and you want to lose 50 pounds and you go, man, I've been on this restrictive diet for two months now and I've lost, you know, 20 pounds. I'm just going to go have a hamburger. Well, the question is, is that taking you where you want to go or away from it? I'm not saying don't have it. You know, no judgment. I'm just saying, is it taking you away from it or, or, or not? And, and the answer is it, it is taking you away from it. That's a choice you make. And we have a choice. But maybe you eat it once and you don't eat it again. But maybe you eat it and you say, that's so good, I'm going to have another one tomorrow. <laughs> then you're back where you started. <clears throat> so there's power in letting go. And the last trait, they didn't explain it this way. But, but I have a different way of explaining. Um, and, and I think this is really the key to having what you want in life and being fulfilled in life. 
And it came to me about 30 years ago when a friend of mine, he and I were on a uh, phone call and we used to read the same books, not all the time, but occasionally. And then we, we would get on the phone and discuss it. And he called me one day and he said, could you, uh, could you pull up page 82 on, uh, I think it was a book called The Impersonal Life, and which was very in-depth. And we spent almost two hours discussing one page. And and before he, we hung up, he said, he said, Jim, what do you think the word resourceful means? I said, I don't know, never really thought about it. I said, maybe using your imagination or being more productive. I said, why? And he said, I just think it's an interesting word. I said, okay. And that was it. Well, on the way home, I couldn't quit thinking about it. I kept thinking about resourceful, resourceful. What does that mean? And we didn't have the internet. So I, I, as soon as I got home, I opened up the dictionary and looked up the word. And it's defined as once again, full of source. I thought, hmm, once again, full of source. That's pretty interesting, depending on what you think source is. So I looked up the word source, the keyword. And I was shocked. It says where all things originate. Not some things, but all things. And I thought, hmm. Again, depending on what you think source is, that's pretty powerful. And so I went down the next day to a bookstore and I started looking through some other dictionaries to the, looking up the word source. Couldn't find anything different. And I looked at one book for the origin of words and things like that. <clears throat> Never really found it anywhere. And about a year and a half, I occasionally I was always you know in bookstores and I'd look up something and try to find some other definition. But I was in the UK. It was about a year and a half later, and I see this sign on the back of a door. I was out for a walk and on the back of a business door, and it says um, antique bookstore. And I thought, hmm, I love antique books. So I walk in the back door. There's a dictionary about a foot thick, and it's all tattered and torn. I never, I didn't look up the publication date. Don't know how old it was, but it had a sign that said do not open. So I thought, that's probably for the people in the UK, but I've got to open this. You know, <laughs> I think I was prepared to buy it if I had to. I think, I don't know what the price was. So I opened it up carefully to the S's and I looked up uh, source. And I saw some of the same things that I'd seen in other dictionaries, but one, one popped out at me and it said source defined as love. And I went, wow, once again, full of love. And I thought, how does that apply to our life and our business? And I thought about it for maybe five or 10 minutes. And I thought, you know what? When we decide something, when we make a firm decision to have something or do something, we fall in love with it. And it, that creates passion. And when you're excited about it, you writing your book. I know you had a lot of passion for finishing that book and putting it out, publishing it, I can tell. You fall in love with that. And I thought, wow, that is powerful. And then I thought, wait a minute. I'd heard my whole life that <clears throat> we experienced one of two emotions in life or emotions, love and fear. And I thought, hmm, I think there's a flaw in this deal. I thought, where does fear come from? If everything originates in love. It took me about another 10, 15 minutes, and I'm going, oh, I got it. We fall in love with fear. 
we actually fall in, we create it in our minds. It's not real. We make it up and we fall in love with it. And we use it for various things to keep us from doing certain things, uh, keep us, you know, from experiencing, you know, rejection or whatever. We, we use that fear. And I thought, that is it. And I had somebody challenge me a while back. They said, well, there's real fear. I said, well, name me one. He said, what if a, a lion or a tiger is chasing you through the woods? I said, no, it's not real. It's made up. I said, you made it up in your mind. What's going to happen if he catches you? I said, now, I might run too, but but it's a real. It's not real. You make it up. And so it was such an enlightening moment for me. And then not more than three or four days later, I was in Toronto, uh, Canada, and we, I was uh, doing an event with actually with the guy that we'd, we'd uh, conversed about the book. Uh, we were doing a two-day event together. So he asked me if I would go out for a walk. And so we walked out maybe two or three miles and suddenly realized that we're running a little late. We better get back for the event. Couldn't start without us because we were we were the <laughs> presenters. So I'm six four. He's about six foot. We're walking pretty fast, and um, uh, all of a sudden, I feel a presence over my shoulder, and and it was some a guy in step with me, right, almost like almost right beside me, but a little behind, so close that I could smell the guy, and. I was just about to turn around and say, hey, uh, would you back off just a little bit? And just before I did, he, he he had two voices coming from the same person. So I guess split personality or whatever. He said, um, and God created man. And the other voice said, yeah, I know that. He said, but then God created woman. He said, yeah, I know that too. He said, but then God created fruit. He said, fruit? What does that have to do with anything? He said, well, inside the fruit, he said, there's a seed. He said, if you plant it, it will grow. And if you don't, it won't. And then he turned and went the other direction. I just kept thinking about that. I thought, you know, we, we plant seeds in a garden. And it's like the, the story of the guy walking down the street and seeing this guy working in his garden. And he stops and says, well, you and God have a beautiful garden here. And the guy goes, yeah, but you should have seen it when God had it by himself. <laughs> Full of weeds and all of that. So, so we, when we plant seeds in the garden, what do we do? We nourish it. We keep the weeds out. We, we water it. We, whatever, whatever we do to make that grow. And it's the same in our life. If you plant the seed of what you want in love, fall in love with it, and then you have to nourish it. And you nourish it by letting go of the things, keeping the weeds out, the weeds of negativity and self-talk and other people and doubt and worry and fear and all of those things. That's our challenge. That's our biggest challenge in business today and in, in life today is keeping those weeds out. Because mm. that's how you end up with what you want in life. This has exceeded my expectations, Jen. This is this was very impressive. I mean, this you know that's why I love um, having people with your wisdom and your experiences. And you just went through th these six steps once again that you sourced from 
these individuals, but your stories behind it, I thought was really extraordinary as well. Um, okay. I, I need to go back to something that you're talking about earlier is you had 3,649 failures, if you may, or learning experiences. Mm -hmm. And you had one success when they came back and taught you what you were missing. What was, what was the key attributes that you were missing in your sales process? Well, again, it was pretty simple, but here, here's what it was. Uh, the fellow that sat with me for about two hours, we sat at my floor because I didn't have any furniture. And um, he says, the uh, first thing he says, how do you know if you have a viable prospect? And, I, and my comment was, I guess if they buy from you. And he said, no. How do you know if there's even a possibility of buying from you? And I said, I don't know. He said, that's obvious. <laughs> and he said, in order to have a viable prospect, he said, you've got to arrive at three destinations. I said, okay, what are that? What, what's the, what does that mean? He said, well, number one, do they have a pain or a problem? If they don't, you don't have a prospect. Number two, can you solve it? If you, if you can't, you don't have a prospect. Number three, no, number two was, do they want to solve it? Do they want to solve it? And number three is, can you solve it? And if you can, you've got a viable prospect. Now, you could do that through, you know, targeting. Uh, if you're writing a sales letter or something, you could do that to target certain people that have a pain or a problem that want to solve it, and you could solve it. But I was talking one-on-one. And I said, how do I know if they have a pain or a problem? He said, oh, they'll tell you. I said, nobody's told me so far. He said, yeah, it's because you've been out there flapping your jaws for a year. He said, you need to ask questions and listen. And I said, what kind of questions? And he said, it doesn't really matter. Mm. And I said, I said, okay, I'm confused. He said, you start a conversation. He said, if you meet somebody, he said, if you say hi, what do you think they're going to say back? I said, probably hi or hello. I, he said, if you say hi, how are you? What do you think they're going to do? They're going to say, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. How are you? Now you've started a conversation. I'm great. What brings you here? You're at the wedding. You know, are you a friend of the bride or the groom? You started a conversation. He said, you, you take the conversation in the direction it's going. And he said, if you ask questions and you really, really are truly interested in what people have to say and what they're sharing. Uh, and he said, if you live your life this way, from now on, every time you meet a new person, you get in a conversation. He said, if you want to build a network worldwide one day, if you never want to worry about money, never worry about having friends, he said, Always be thinking, what can I do to help this person? And he said, if you're always thinking that, he said, and you're truly wanting to help people and you truly listen, they're going to share what their problems are. And it's so true. It really is. I mean, if you just ask questions and listen, people will, people will tell you their deepest, deepest uh, desires and problems and what they're going through. They want to talk and they want somebody to listen somebody that cares. And, and you've got to care. You can't just listen, hoping to make a sale. And he said, don't do it just to make a sale. He said, do it with anybody you meet. It doesn't matter who they are. Do it with anybody you meet. 
my wife's always saying, are you always, do you always think about helping people? Every time we go out, you get in conversations with people. I'm going, yeah, that's just my habit. That's what I do. <laughs> I love it how you said it. It's become a habit, right? You, you've, you've learned, right? The way to create more value in the world is to listen. And then through listening, right, you, you've been able to help solve problems. And, and, and then you go deeper back, you know, you, you talked about this concept of planting seeds, right? You're, you've been planting these seeds because you can, you, we know we can never touch everybody. Right. And this is why we write books and this is why we do speeches and yeah. do I do different things, but you're continuously planting seeds of hoping, right. That people, somebody will take that seed and let it grow. Right. You know, and, and get abundant fruit, you know, whatever they're growing out of it. And, and I, and I think that's, Incredible. I love these two, these two key things that you talked about. Once again, these six traits combined with, uh, you know, this kind of goes back to how to win friends and influence people, right? With Carnegie is, is, is really have a keen, genuine interest, right? And in those who you yeah. meet and helping to try to solve that. And I think that's, that's, you know, you mentioned, so, go ahead. you mentioned habits. Um, there's, um, I used to, you know, you've heard the 80, 20 rule. Of course, Pareto principle. Yep. Yeah. So I'm thinking one day, what's wrong with the 80%? So why don't they follow through? Why don't they do what they say they're going to do? Why is that? And and I just finished a, a, a two-day event for entrepreneurs. And this was this was probably 35 years ago. And um I think they paid around fifteen hundred dollars to be there for two days, which is a lot of money back then. And then suddenly it hit me. I thought, 800 of them are not going to follow through. Mm. I went, wow. <laughs> I thought, that's not right. And it just, I mean, it just hit me right between the eyes. I'm going, what makes people different anyway? Why do some follow through and some don't? And I thought, well, we all get programmed. You know, you're programmed, I'm programmed. We, our parents start to process walking and talking and saying our numbers and our ABCs and teaching us to protect ourselves, how to swim, how to cross the street, things like that. And, and if you watch a child, I watched my, I have a little grand, grandchild now that's two, but when he barely like nine months old, 10 months old, he got up and he took his first step. And about a week later, he's over, he's taken steps three or four at a time. About a week later, he's running across the room. And then he was sliding down the stairs backwards on his stomach. But about a month later, he's he's walking down the stairs. Now he he jumps you know, from stair to stair, or he's totally comfortable moving around. Well, it's habit patterns that we develop, uh, and we all we all have them. Uh, I mean, we probably have hundreds of them that would be hard to live our lives without. We don't think about driving a car as a habit, but it is. We don't think about swimming as a habit, but you don't have to walk out to the pool if you can swim. You don't walk out there and say, "Can I still swim?" Should I jump in and try it first or get in the shallow end? We have hundreds of them. How you put your pants on in the morning is a habit. And we always do these things the same way every time. And, and it would quite frankly be hard to live our lives without those. Then I thought, well, they must be stored like right at the surface of your subconscious mind because you don't have to think about them to access them. They're just in your DNA. Then I uh, next moment, I thought, well, how did I get where I am? I thought, well, my past 
it's called what you believe in the past that you act upon is the result you're going to produce. It's called the law of cause and effect. It works 100% every time, whether you believe it or not. Okay. okay. Then I thought, well, how do you remember your past? And my conclusion was, you don't remember all of it. You remember the highlights, beautiful things that happen. You know, maybe it's your a vacation you took or when you got married or your first kiss or, you know, a child was born or, you know, things like that. We'd never forget. And then I thought, well, what's, what about the rest of our memory? Well, in today's world, it'd be like files on your hard drive. It's buried someplace and maybe you'll access one of those now and then, but you got millions of those in there, literally millions of them. You can be hypnotized and maybe recall something that you would never recall. So I thought, well, those emotional experiences that we've had must be stored right under those habit patterns because you can access them quickly. They're not always uppermost in your mind, but little things can trigger it. Then the next moment I thought, well, wait a minute, we don't all have just positive experiences in our life. We all have negative ones, um, some pretty traumatic. You know, abuse, abandonment, all kinds of things happen uh, when when kids are growing up and and even later in life. You know, I mean, all the way through life, things happen, but it starts at, at an early age, and we don't like feeling uh, that type of negativity when when it does happen. So children unknowingly suppress that, and as we grow older, we continue to suppress it. And we don't even know we're suppressing it. We wake up one morning and we're feeling depressed. We don't know why. We don't realize it was because of that time that your parents were fighting and you were five years old and their, your name came up in the middle of the conversation. We don't know that that's what triggered it. Um, but here we are depressed. And, and what we do is we go try to seek motivation or go socializing or call our friends. And all of that helps you to suppress it even further. And so what happens is that becomes a core belief that we have about ourselves. And we don't know we have it. We may think we're a great writer. We may think we're uh, good at playing the piano or, or, or certain things that we do that we're really good at, but we still have a core belief that holds it back. And it's a blind spot. We can't see it. We, we become aware that we have the problem you know, that we're in our fifth abusive relationship or we're, we've struggled financially all our lives. We're aware of those things, but awareness doesn't do much except tell you you got a problem. Um, so back to what I said earlier, every action you take is going to move you toward what you want or away from it. That's how to, that's how to peel the onion off of that, uh, that core belief, even if you don't know what it is. What you pay attention to grows in strength. What you don't pay, pay attention to withers away from lack of attention. Okay, so this has been, once again, this has been so fun, Jim. I appreciate you sharing it. Unfortunately, we are in this horrible part where we actually have to stop due to our own oh. time constraints that we have. We've covered a big aspect of not just, once again, what we accomplished, but kind of who, who we are. From now where you are and the wisdom you've developed and teaching, continue to teach people, how do you measure success today? Um, actually, I don't, I don't, 
I never think about it. I don't. I don't think I measure success. I, I maybe it's how many people I help today, or um, you know, I'm always looking to leave a legacy. And maybe to me, maybe that is success. That you know something that's lasting that lasts longer than you do. Um, I think that's that's a real mark of success. You know, if you go out and make a bunch of money, but all you leave is your money, and that's that's not real success. I don't think. Yeah, it's more. It's a little deeper, isn't it? Right. It's a little deeper, yeah. deeper than what we do. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, who we are. We so you know. Thank yeah. you. Now, I'm curious for you. Not a book that's yours because you have written many. What's a book that has inspired you that you've read that you want to share with others? Well, it was uh, there was one book that uh, that changed my whole perspective in life. Uh, completely in one one evening. Uh, I was riding down a, a road with a friend of mine. We were looking at some real estate and we were on Thomas Avenue in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And and uh, it was a hot summer day. And he, he said, do you read much? And I said, yeah, I read a lot. And he reaches over in his glove compartment. And he hands me this book. And I opened it up and read the first paragraph. And I'm, I got chills up and down my spine. I'm going, wow, I can't wait to get home to read this. And the book is Three Magic Words by U.S. Anderson. And he's written several, but I, I think that was the best one. Some of the others are kind of a compilation, has some of that in it. But you still find it in bookstores today. It was written in like 1959. Um, but uh, it was an amazing book. That really, that really changed my whole perspective. And, you know, I've read over 4,000 books. Um, I'm a speed reader. I wasn't then, but I am now. Well, actually, I'm not as much as I used to be because <laughs> I don't read as much as I used to. Um, but uh, uh, but that was that was the best one. Yeah. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. That's a big statement. Of, of that's your the best book you read over four thousand books. So thank you yeah. for sharing that. There was a lot of great books I read, but that one, of course, was life changing for me. Um, yeah. No. But if you thank want you. to read a life changing book for anybody that's yeah. listening, truly. Read my book, Rings of Truth. Rings of Truth. It'll blow you away. It's my it's my life story, basically, but it's it's cool. Thank you for for sharing that. So, Jim, how can people connect, learn more about what you're doing? Well, I, my website is jimbritt.com, and that's with two T's, Britt. Um, and um, if if there's anybody that that's wrestling with uh, their relationship with money. I have a program online. It's four. It's a four-month program designed to reprogram your subconscious regarding your relationship with money, um, and it's all taught online. You get daily stuff that you do and and listen to and view. Um, it's called CrackingTheRichCode.com. Uh, I also have a book series with the same title, Cracking the Rich Code. That's a collaboration uh, with twenty co-authors in each book. We're on volume twelve, and uh, you can. Get details on that to be if you want to become a co-author, it's becomeacoauthor.com. Um, so those are three places you could go to find out more about me. Jim, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Measure Success podcast today. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. And to whoever else is listening, I hope you've enjoyed the wisdom that Jim has shared. It's been an absolute honor to have him on to to hear everything he's talking about. I, I was taking notes furiously throughout this session and, and I hope you uh, 
we'll be able to take these truths that he has helped share with us and help apply them and hopefully become habits so you can plant those seeds uh, to grow the fruit that you want to do in your future. So as we like to say, wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes. Thank you.